everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we have eye-opening conversations with all types of fascinating tango professionals. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to all you first-time and newer listeners. Really glad you're here. If you've been a fan for a while and would like to help keep the podcast going, you can make a secure donation through PayPal or join my podcast page on Subscribestar. Links are in the description. Thanks for your support. All right, my guest today is a good friend of the show. He's a highly accomplished tango musician, a cellist to be exact. And from Washington, D.C., let's welcome back Maxfield Wallen Fisher. Max, good to have you back on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Joe, it is great to talk to you. I mean, I have to say, yes, I live in Washington, D.C., but I'm from Wisconsin. Yeah, you know, your heart is here. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out to my, my, uh, my main tango teacher from... Really, I mean, I take took way more classes with you than anyone really? else. In yeah. All those years in Madison, yeah. yeah. yeah that that's when I was really. That's when I was studying mm-hmm. more, like consistently. You know. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still, anyway. I still remember like that day. It was a pretty crowded class, and you walked in, and it's like, is this the tango class? <laughs> I remember that too. Yeah. 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 That that studio. Yeah. 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 So that was fun. Good times. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, at this moment, we're all in the, the self-quarantine because of this COVID-19 situation. So if you're listening to this, to this episode sometime after April 2020, hopefully uh, life is somewhat back to normal. So yeah, Max, uh, musically speaking, uh, what are some things you've been doing while stuck at home? Well, uh, I do a lot of teaching. Mm-hmm. So I've been... I've been doing a lot of that and we're all getting used to, you know, the new rhythms and the technology and the patterns of how you work with people online. Mm -hmm. I know uh, people are doing the same thing when it comes to performance and then when it comes to teaching dance, I would say I'm pretty lucky with the consistency of my students and things that I'm able to be there. Mm -hmm. But it means I haven't come up with a lot of really creative videos yet. It's coming, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah. 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 That's great. I'm so glad that we still have the internet and all of this. Yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's definitely the overshadowing element of everything that's happening right now, I mean, mm-hmm. that's to state the obvious. And I do think while, while people are doing some really creative things, you know, one of the things I see, you know, this isn't about tango or anything, yeah. but since I'm, I have windows into the lives of all my different students and, and families is that, mm-hmm. it, you know, it is stressful for everybody. You know, we're not, yeah. we, we hear all these stories and of, you know, Newton going away during the plague and inventing gravity. Or, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, we see the really creative videos that some people are, are putting out. But I think at the moment, and certainly in the first couple of weeks of this, a lot of us are really just, you know, we're busy and we're dealing with these these new changes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're doing your lessons, what, what are, you, are you doing? It, doing it over Zoom or some other app? Yeah. We're okay. Zooming. Okay, cool. Well, I just signed up for a Zoom account the other day because I'm anticipating that idea that you had for um, a panel discussion. So, yeah, uh, we were talking about that. That's going to be fun. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna do that. Yeah, so that'll be great. Looking looking forward to talking to a lot of musicians about Mm -hmm. what they're doing now and what's been going on in in recent times and how Mm -hmm. that's going to lead lead us forward. You know, because music really is like, you know, tango is, I mean, obviously your podcast really demonstrates tango is so much more than just the dance or, or just the music or any one thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that with the richness of that culture, 
it, there's so much to hold on to even when we're alone. And certainly at this point, the music is a really big thing. Yeah. You know, we can still yeah. be with the music. So your tango students, or, sorry, your music students, are they necessarily tango musicians or? Oh, no, not at all. They're mostly okay. classical cellists. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. I teach at a, at a music school here, the Levine School of Music. I'm a, a associate chair of the string department. And Okay, that's so. awesome. Yeah. 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 Wow. So when I first met you, you were just a grad student. Now you are associate chair of this. <laughs> I think I'm trying to think. I think that must've been maybe eight years ago. Yeah. Maybe nine years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. Crazy. It's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, now that we're all in sort of this lockdown, we can't really um, go about our, our routines. What do you miss most tangle wise? I miss being with people, you know, and mm. for for tango and for for music, that means two things. It means I miss um, holding people and dancing with people, you know, um, that in person camaraderie, and I miss rehearsing um, music with people. Um, I have a new duo that got started um, this year, mm-hmm. um, run by Amy Solera, really mm-hmm. great bandoneon player. Um, she got back in December. Um, from a year studying in Argentina, and mm-hmm. she's a bandoneonist um, I've worked with in, in my band for a long time, and we just we've had these great couple of months, and we're looking forward to just really being together, rehearsing a lot, and um, mm-hmm. and playing a lot, and obviously now not it's not not so much of an option. Yeah, that's that's another thing I want to touch upon is rehearsals. I mean, I, I'm a dancer, so. When mm-hmm. a live band comes to play it in Malanga, it's great. Oh, I get to see, you know, the live band and we dance and then we, you know, put the videos on YouTube and whatnot and say, what a great time that was. But, you know, but I think what people need to realize is there's so much preparation that goes into that one evening of dancing. And a lot of that has to do with the rehearsing. But that's a whole other really fun process about the musical side of things. So what what is really fun and uh, rewarding for you about the rehearsal time that the dancers don't necessarily get to see. Uh, I've always loved rehearsals, even before I really got into tango mm-hmm. as a as a main component of my musical life. I loved chamber music and chamber music rehearsals, sitting there with two, three, four, five other people, and just totally exploring a piece of music. It's this combination of being totally present with yourself, totally prepared, and feeling your part but also completely open, much like the improvisation of tango, um, being completely open to the movement and breathing and and concept of the other person to this point where it's not even a back and forth anymore, but a total in sync element. And of course that happens in performance, hopefully too, uh, but in rehearsals you get to take it apart and talk about it and analyze it and, um, you know, go over the the nitty gritty. And I, I enjoy doing that with other people. You know, it's not something, it's even, it's different from just practicing by yourself. It's mm-hmm. the conversation is really cool. Yeah. Nice. It's fun. I don't remember when I was a little kid, I, I played the cello for a little while and I was, right. uh, yeah. I was, yeah. So I was in the orchestra, school orchestra. So rehearsals were kind of a drag for me because rehearsals meant just being yelled at by the conductor for about an hour. Then you'd go home and feel ashamed of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should, I should clarify that people yeah. always ask me, you know, so what you want to, they, they hear cello, you want to be in an orchestra or something. And I've never loved playing or, in orchestra, honestly. In fact, part of the way I got, I got into tango when I was at, in Indiana, at Indiana University, is there they had this great Latin American music institute, 
um, which had the Latin American popular music ensemble, mm -hmm. and I knew they did a lot of tango, and I, I was interested in tango music, even though I didn't know much about it. Mm -hmm. This is just a hair over 10 years ago now. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I joined this ensemble, I could get out of orchestra. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice. That was that was honestly an, an extra motivation <laughs> to, <laughs> to yeah. do it because yeah that that's that's what I'm saying when you're mm -hmm. in an, a, I, what I enjoy about rehearsals is is that back and forth the being in the creative control there unlike orchestra where you sit there like you said a dude with a stick tells you what to do for two hours and then you leave you know very different very different dynamic yeah. 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 And I think I got a taste of what you're talking about. I remember I had a friend of mine who played the violin and uh, we would sometimes sneak into the orchestra room and just kind of practice amongst ourselves. But we would practice what we were going to do in the orchestra. But um, since it was just the two of us, we could do whatever we wanted. So let's say, oh, let's try a different key. Or we would, one of the funnest things we would do is we would do the, the cocaine version of the songs. <laughs> we would try to play as fast as we can and see if we can keep up with each other. And which, which had no real purpose, but it was, well, it was really fun. <laughs> I looking for variety, all of that made you a better musician, you know, uh -huh. because you, you explore, you, you flush out what's possible with your instrument and with the, yeah. the, the musical material you're working yeah. with. It's like, whoa, let's take this Bach piece. Let's, how fast can we play it and, and still have it, you know, keep, you know, keep up. So that was uh -huh. <laughs> good times. Yeah, but that's great. So for tango, that's got to be a really fun process like when, you're, when you're experimenting. It, it is, and it's interesting because tango certainly affords a little bit more it's a diff every music is has a pretty different structure when it comes to you know sort of how much of it is pre-prescribed and how much you know how much you can write down and you have to adhere to that mm -hmm. versus how much you don't mm -hmm. and tango is interesting because it has a variety of that we have parisia which you know is um improvised yeah. sort of like jazz mm -hmm. and even there j both in jazz or parisia tango there it's not certainly not entirely improvised um, mm. There's extensive um, roadmap of um, melody and harmony, and then a lot of um, either written or unwritten customs about what happens in each song. Mm -hmm. For instance, like when I was in New York and we would play El Choclo, mm -hmm. um, which is one of the most common yeah. you know, tangos ever, and certainly one of the easiest to do in that setting because people know it and it has a particular kind of structure, mm -hmm. um, people, someone would shout out, are we doing this, uh, I think they would say, all in New York? <laughs> 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 and that would mean that they were going to start it with sort of a slow milonga vibe. And oh. then, you know, and it was just like it was going to follow that kind of structure. Mm -hmm. um, okay. How did I, where, where were we talking about? I, I, it doesn't matter, man. This is a organic <laughs> conversation. It's going gonna, it's gonna to evolve. Oh, uh, oh, rehearsals. So the, <laughs> rehearsals. Yeah. Oh, and, and yes, mm. and creative control. Right. Mm. So no matter what in tango, it's not as specific as, say, most classical music, where mm. every note is written out and you're trying to do it in a particular style. Now, in most tango music I play, every note is written out, but mm. a lot of it, I've written it out because I had to arrange it for, or someone had to arrange it for a particular ensemble. Mm -hmm. So it's not this sort of word of God, a Beethoven kind of thing where you can't change the note. It's you. First of all, I probably made some mistakes, you know, mm -hmm. so someone's going to shout out, hey, Max, <laughs> did you mean an F or an F sharp here? And I'm going to be like, oh, man, no, it's actually a B, you know, <laughs> or I'm 
I'll have to go back and check. Wait, what court? You know. So we have that control, and mm-hmm. it's there's a it's interesting because sometimes we really are trying to imitate a certain style. We might be trying to sound really disarly at a moment, or really Darienzo, really Pugliese. Um, but at the same time, we have a different ensemble. So what it takes for us to sound in that style might still be a slightly different technique because I don't have 12 violins. And also, my group has its own sort of feel and style too. So I might make other decisions about how we want it to be. Might be a lot of my the files on my computer say like Darienzo-ish. Yeah. <laughs> That's great because you have that creative latitude. That's nice. And, and I think there is sort of a parallel between you know, the music and also, you know, from a musician standpoint and also in the dancing, because this is, um, you know, it, it is sort of, it did originate as a street dance. So it's not like ballet or other forms of, of training where like you have to do the step exactly like this. There is that sense of latitude. And uh, I think that's what something, something that I don't want to say it frustrates me as a tango teacher, but when you have students and I see this everywhere when I go to festivals or when I'm teaching my own classes, you get people who they just want to, they're looking for the exact answer. And, you know, when you dance, it's sometimes it's, it's just not there. You have to not let yourself be constrained by that. You have to to kind of let go and be, and be creative. So, okay, I'm just going to let this flow and see what happens. And, um, well, that echoes so closely to what, um, Every time we talk, and every time I talk a lot about music, Julian Peralta's name always comes up, um, band leader of Astigero, mm-hmm. and really one of the great composers and um, really teachers, mm-hmm. um, mentors of tango musicians in the present day, and of young tango musicians. And he um, he always says in Spanish, but um, tango is it's a popular music, you know. Uh-huh which has a lot of meaning he'll he'll take that a lot of places but it's a popular music it's it's intense it's it can be fun it can be many many of these different things and it's not really meant to, to necessarily be in a museum or, or other other places like that yeah so i wanted to switch gears a little bit to talking about danceable tangos versus the non-danceable tangos <laughs> so i mean it's it's as a musician, I imagine it's, you know, you're just playing music. It's really enjoyable. Uh, but how do you approach these two different types of tangos differently as a musician? I do. And it's, it's an evolving idea, I think, in my head and in the ethos of the tango community as well. Um, because when I started playing tango music, I started at the same moment I started dancing, Ten, which is 10 years ago in about a month to the day. <laughs> my first milonga was my uh, 21st, well, my first real milonga, big milonga, was my, and my first larger performance with the tango group was mm-hmm. March 28th on my 21st birthday, mm-hmm. and I just turned 31, so. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> I still thought you were so, in your 20s, but you're 31. Oh, I, well, you know. Um, <laughs> time time moves along. Yeah. Anyway, so back then, live music was often considered undanceable, mm. just generally. Um, because <laughs> It's kind of funny to think about that now. In this, in this culture and in this country, you know, it, because very few people had, had done it well it, mm. or – not just done it well, but found ways to work with dancers and milonga organizers to make it go smoothly. Mm-hmm. You know, 
there were a few people, and there were some people who were interested and open-minded and others who weren't. Yeah. And I've certainly been to places where a certain live band was playing and been frustrated trying to dance to it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I do think it's a very complicated question. I mean, I, I could spend hours talking about it. I, <laughs> I would say I, <laughs> in the beginning, most musicians... There's sort of a vibe of, well, you know, screw the dancers. They should listen mm-hmm. and be able to <laughs> move with time mm-hmm. and stuff. And then since I was dancing and other things, then uh, after a few years I had a huge swing the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I became, I would say, very, very conservative. And it's also a matter, matter of not just my taste, but mm-hmm. if I want to have a really successful band, I need to listen and present things that I know are going to be very popular and yeah. that are going to work. And what I've found to be popular and, and to work for a long time, especially with a small group and various things, was very rhythmic, very Darienzo sort of style. Um, high energy, really consistent beat. Yeah. Not as much of the tempo play that you would get out of a Pugliese group. And then as I got better, I learned how, you know, Pugliese changes tempo, but with this extraordinary sort of weight, um, like inevitability to the changes, which if you are listening to the music, it it goes along both with how one would step, um, sort of the momentum of one's feet, and you can follow it really well. And as I got better, I kind of learned that lilt a little bit, okay. you know. Yeah. And uh, now, I think that around the country, live music has had this extraordinary change in mm. the last six, seven years, as live musicians have come together at festivals in the summer and have have built other bands and had time to rehearse and to work these things out. And I think that it has changed the quality of live music in the country, and it has started to change people's perception of it. Mm. And that's also not just thanks to the musicians, it's thanks to certain organizers who have prioritized that in their milongas in, and in, in their events. Mm-hmm. Um, that's true around the country. Certainly in New York, if you look at Astoria and other places, you can really, yeah. you can really see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another thing I wanted to wanted to bring up because we mentioned that about when I caught when I last talked to you, how you t- talked about the changes in the tango music. It's interesting how you know these places like Reed College, Reed and and Stowe, and these wonderful areas, these programs that are meant for tango musicians or people interested in tango music, because before that didn't exist. And now we've got that. And, but it's interesting how just because they exist, they're, now that they're actually starting to change in real time the, the nature of, of tango music. So, yeah, let's go into that a little bit more. So how exactly do you see that these changes happening? That's a great question. The, the, so there are the three summer workshops. There's Stowe, mm-hmm. there's Reed, and then there's what used to be in Indiana um, called the Tangaro Workshop, which is now in Toronto. And that would be the one that I most closely work the closest with. I was actually planning to go to Reed this summer for the first time. Mm. Uh, we'll see if that happens, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I went to the first couple of years of Stowe as well. <clears throat> but last summer, and, you know, each one has a different sort of, it serves people differently. And mm. um, in re- all of them in really, really great ways. And last summer, I w- we were in Toronto for the first time. 
And we bring Julian Peralta, that's how I, how I know him. And we sat back and, and looked out at the the first rehearsals and the second rehearsals, and there were these people who'd been coming for years. Mm-hmm. And there were also people who had were there for the first time, but they played in bands around the country uh-huh. with people who'd been coming. Mm-hmm. And they knew what was up. They knew what was going on, and they were able to then hone that. And we could just what we were able to do. The level of the music was was so much higher. It was just wow. so clear, you know. And mm-hmm. That was that was a really nice feeling. And it's just the network, the, knowing that anyone else out there knows and does this kind of thing. I mean, you know, you're in the Midwest, like Champaign, Illinois, right? Has a phenomenal set of people with a really cool band named Bandoneon Massacre. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and people come and play there and just really, really, really great folks there, good musicians. And you, you, you can see these these groups of people, whether it's in in Lubbock, Texas or mm-hmm. Champaign or, you know, bigger cities, New York, uh, Washington, L.A., Portland, mm-hmm. all over the place. People come to be connected to other people who do this, find resources build up the tools they need um, to take that out into the world mm-hmm. so that they can play better and that they can share good live music. They can, they can share good tango music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I think it's, it's a really exciting time for, for tango music today. And I really hope that, you know, people are kind of stopping and just say, Hey, you know, this might be some sort of a golden age or something like that, you know, where this is, where this is happening. I mean, I, I just was on YouTube the other day, just looking up, uh, live orchestras and there's so many there's just really wonderful groups yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah and it's it's really fun and i think and I've, I've been kind of collecting some more music for you know so when i get back to djing at malanga's when those places open up again i'll be able to like put some more you know tunes and introduce people to some more uh bands out there but yeah i think it's just a really neat time i think i, I i'm not sure we're really going to be able to appreciate it until maybe a uh, maybe like a few decades later and to look back, it's like, Hey, remember that time? And which is these places, but, but I really want people to just think, Hey, you know, this is a really exciting, exciting time. Don't just sit back. Let's, uh, let's really, I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> <Excuse> <laughs> I would agree with that. And I think it's, it's mm-hmm. still improving the momentum lost the momentum of this spring aside. I think yeah. it's, it's very much on the upward trend. You know, it's been happening in Argentina for a little long, definitely for longer than it's been happening here. Yeah. Um, and there are so many great bands and such variety mm-hmm. of music and new music there, um, some of which is meant for dancing and some of which isn't and some mm-hmm. of which straddles a line that people can participate, dance to it or not, depending on, on what, they, what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you had asked me about danceability or not earlier. Right, right. And that's, and I said it's evolving. I'm less conservative than I used to be. So mm. I started off very liberal, then I went very conservative, yeah. which I really needed to do to bring people in, to say, yeah. here, I am precisely imitating this arrangement of this DeSarly tune. You do know what to expect if you mm. know the song. And if you don't, it's still going to sound super tango, mm. you know. And um, that has ingratiated me with dancers, you know. And... And now I feel a little bit more flexibility. I think one of the most mm. important things, though, is for people to know what's what's going to happen. I still tend to usually play in tandas, mm-hmm. which is not something that happens in Argentina as much. But I play, and I always tell people so they know what to expect, so they don't feel confused. They can find the dance partners they want. They can be there. So then they can just be really present with the music, and they don't have to worry about anything else. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I like what you said about how there was at one point where you were really, really conservative. It's it's interesting. You're conservative, but you weren't rigid. You know, it's it's like you, it looks like you did, you did it as a way of understanding the the sure. music, and then from there you have the tools to be more creative. I mean, well, I I, I yeah. would say I was extremely lucky too because mm-hmm. my the first band that I ran was in Madison. You know, uh, a couple years there. <laughs> And I had these these really uh, this community that was really supportive. I'm not sure they had much of a choice. <laughs> <It's> so small, <laughs> um, but it was it was really wonderful because I mm. you know I didn't know that much honestly back then. And I mm. would play different things, and I'd be like, "You guys would listen to Pizzola," but I could watch <laughs> the dance floor. I I could see which of my arrangements and what about them worked, mm-hmm. and I could see see when people were floundering, and I could see when people were really excited and. Thankfully, because it was this small community, people would would support me. They would keep coming. You would, you know, help yeah. help me out oh, a lot. It was great. Certainly. It was so much. And fun. <laughs> yeah, we had a great time, uh, rolling the piano down the hill in January over the ice to the <laughs> yeah. to the bar. It was a wonderful chance to to not just be told what works, but to really experiment and and find what was going to work. Yeah. I, those are good times. I remember when you first asked me, it's like, hey, Joe, I got this uh, trio. It's like, can you be a plagiarism along? I was like, yeah. We're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. so fun. It was so fun. Yeah. yeah, so when you performed for the first time, was that my Milonga or was that somewhere else? Actually? It was somewhere else. Okay. During those early days, like you said, that's when you – uh, you know, when you started first started playing for for dancers, then like, what are some lessons that you've learned from that experience that you still carry with you today? A lot of it is about sort of the kinds of rhythms and things that are attractive to people and that, that really work. Um, the lengths of songs not being super long. For a while, I would even take my my music brain thought a lot of tangos were kind of short or I didn't mm-hmm. notice that they were as long as they were sort of because my experience of the music was a little different when I looked at it on the page. Um, so I would even take some uh, Darienzo or something and, and accidentally elongate it and people would get tired. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Cause I'd be like up there, you know, pounding away with like, uh, um, so you start to lose energy that way. Mm-hmm. And then I think one of the biggest things is really, kind of like I was saying, is about presentation. It's about how do you communicate with the organizers of the Malanga so that mm-hmm. everyone is, is happy and taken care of? How do you present the music to the people in a way that, that is comfortable and um, not too much downtime, not too much talking? Mm-hmm. All of these things dramatically impact people's experience. It's very easy, as you can hear from me now, for me to get up and talk at length about stuff. But now I have my own my own radio program here in D.C. with Phil Jones, mm-hmm. and I can channel my talking about tango there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I get on stage, I can say, here's what you can expect, and then start playing or something. Yeah. You know. And then I can really make it about the musicians who are on the stage. Because tango is all about connection. It's all... It's all personal. So as much as people can know the individuals who are in my orchestra and, and care about us, and then when they hear that bandoneon lick, they know that it's Amy, or they know that it's Brett that they're dancing with, just like they know who their partner is that they're dancing with. Yeah. Now you kind of touched upon this before, but I just have another sort of a growth question. But what are some things about tango, maybe not in a, you know, in addition to the music, perhaps about the dance or the culture of it, whatever. So what are some things about tango that you changed your mind about over the years? Oh, man. Well, everyone has 
sort of a story. We did a series mm -hmm. on our radio program called Why Tango, where I would ask people first, why do you tango? And then I would say, how did you start tangoing? Mm -hmm. And it was always, it's often very different. You know, one's expectation of tango from the outside. I mean, you deal with this a lot since you're such a, a promoter of tango and you bring new people in all the time. One, the, the outside American perspective of what is tango Mm -hmm. is totally different from the actual experience of dancing it. Totally different, honestly, from the music. I went to tango because I liked Piazzolla's music, right? Mm -hmm, right. I still love Piazzolla's music, and I talk all, a lot about you know danceable tango and these other things. I also love performing all kinds of other and experimental tango on stage. You know, that's just as, as meaningful to me, and, or you know, in, in different venues. So there's that initial shock of this is completely different. So that happened to me. And then I was totally enthralled and very lucky to be around really phenomenal musicians from the beginning. And I think for me, it's been less of a question of what's changed. And I just went in like, I know nothing. I'm this little kid from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. I was often treated that way. <laughs> but the, the tango, certainly, especially I find the music community is so welcoming. There's no sense of what are you doing here? There's often a sense of you probably don't know anything, but it's not a question of if you're allowed to do it. Um, so rather than saying I had catastrophic changes in my opinion, I would say I was always just really open and I loved everything. You know, I didn't, I'm not a part of any particular camp of tango music should be this way or tango music should be that way because yeah. I, I have enjoyed learning so much from all of those people. You know, mm -hmm. when I was in Argentina in August, I uh, had the, the chance to go both to, like, um, the Goni School, which is Peralta's, and I got to go to a rehearsal of the Balcarce, which is a different tradition. And everyone there is just sort of like, oh, you're here. That's cool. Welcome. Here's what we're doing. Okay. You know, not necessarily like they went out of their way to, you know, do anything for me, but they were like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool that you want to be here. Here. <laughs> enjoy you know nice. and I've found that to be pretty true in all of my experience of tango and I've loved just mm. every part of it from the dancing to the music mm. to the many different kinds of music and so in in that kind of way it was I I've, I guess I don't I change but not like um, it's not there's no there aren't sides for me to choose okay you know? yeah yeah, yeah. I guess even as you grow, as you learn more, I mean, you're gonna your understanding's gonna evolve. Maybe your tastes might evolve. Yeah, and I would say that's certainly true of of the groups that I've had as well. Mm -hmm. I started playing in in groups in Indiana. My idea after after college was in order to I'd found all these. I was at this great music school and exposed to tango and everything. If I was going to do any of that with integrity, I just really needed to go play scales for two years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, really up my cello, personal cello game. Yeah. And of course, I couldn't go two years without playing tango. What? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's how that's how that group got started. Mm -hmm. And then Quarteto Tangero was getting going in Indiana um, yeah. with um, my best friend, uh, violinist uh, Daniel Stein. Yep. And things started because we wanted to play together and how do you mm. do that? And, you know, of course, Ben Bogart, who you've had yep. on as well, he's, he's a huge teacher and, start, and brought a lot of this influence um, and learning just by going to Argentina and asking questions, you know. Mm. And Daniel had kind of done the same. They started the Tangero workshop. These things were all, all happening if not around me, certainly with important, you know, people I cared about and things. Mm -hmm. And then I was in New York for a year 
uh, dancing and playing. That's where I met Stratos and a lot of other people. And then I've, I've been in D.C., I guess, for, for five years. And D.C., as we've talked about before, is such a neat city since they've had this community orchestra um, originally started when Corey Ireland was here for a moment many yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. And since they're run by um, Brett Lemley, who's who's a really great guy and a nice nice band and young player, mm-hmm. one of the the bando players in my group. Yeah. And you know, it's like as a cellist, if I from Wisconsin, yeah. <laughs> if I want to play, it's not the the most important instrument necessarily in tango. You know, it's not yeah. the first instrument people think of. Mm-hmm. And especially in the U.S., when you have budgets for musicians or other things mm-hmm. it's not the first person you're going to try and hire necessarily mm-hmm. so all along and because i've always called tango sort of a grassroots movement you know it, it was building and so if you wanted to do tango to begin with you had to be a self-starter you had to do it yeah and if certainly if i wanted to do it no one was going to call me you know? right so I, i've had to start these groups and do these things and so mm-hmm. that's where um de capo tango came after i'd been in dc for about a year Mm-hmm. And now that's really evolved as well yeah. for me. And that's a, that's a subject too. Particularly in the last year, my approach has changed a lot to that band. To go from, from first we were a quartet and then a quintet. Now it's, I see it as an orchestra and sort of a larger umbrella for bigger projects. Um, and that started a year ago, James O, who runs uh, the Loka tango marathon for some reason i met him at a malanga in dc and at the end i just i Mm. said you know he was new and i was like oh did you move here recently or hi i'm max you know welcome and um we got to talking one thing led to another and he said can will you be the orchestra at my marathon nice (laughs) maybe maybe that was (laughs) maybe that was a year and a half away so maybe i forget if that was how that timing worked out so Last, uh, various things happened. I was, it was going to be uh, two groups, two different groups, and because of timing and various things, another group couldn't be there. We ended up bringing basically a large component of Quarteto Tanguero um, last year. Um, but what happened is we had these arrangements that, that I either expanded or we had a number that were already, I was using a small component of, but um, other people had made for slightly larger groups. Mm-hmm. And so we had more people on stage. We had eight people on stage, I think, um, including Stratos. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of an addiction with uh, to this big sound, you know. Nice. We were talking about rehearsing. It had been hard to rehearse a lot that year for my group in D.C. because we all lived really far apart and were busy. Um, so I was, we hadn't been able to learn a lot of new music, a lot of new songs. And I was getting, I don't want to say bored, but I was getting bored with some of the material. Well, you, yeah, you need to um, learn, you need to grow more. You yeah. Know? yeah. So what was cool, <clears throat> a way of dealing with that was, rather than necessarily having new songs, was making the orchestra so much more powerful. Mm-hmm. Having, you know, three bandoneons on stage, multiple violinists. <laughs> nice. You know. Yeah. And then, and that was sort of the beginning of the end, was that, that loca, we called it Orquesta Tipica Loca, which is just a great name. Yeah. Um, and we were slated to be there again this, in about a month, but obviously that's not going to happen. Yeah. And we're going to even have more people. We're going to bring Pablo Aslan, great bassist. And yeah, yeah. Even more violinists, um, but that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. But so then I was in Toronto last summer. The idea was there were a number of sort of, of you know, groups from around the country that were groups. And the idea was to have them play a little bit more in some of the concerts in Milongas along the way. 
on top of like the groups that we, you know the the material we were working on as a part of the workshop. Mm-hmm. And so my violinist wasn't there, and but the rest of my band was. So there was this question of which violinist should I ask to do it, mm-hmm. and it it hit me. I should ask all the violinists to do it, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so we got to play twice with, I think it was like four or five violins, mm-hmm. four bandoneons, wow. bass, piano. And the power of that, we played both in a really small room. And then in this, <laughs> Great. like, it was crazy. I had, like, the, the violins standing in the back on a bench all cramped together. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then we played in this larger music venue, which was, I think, most usually a punk venue or something. Okay. Um, but that was, like, you know, super mic'd up and everything. And uh, the power and the feel of that was extraordinary, both playing with it and sort of being able to direct it. And, and, and that, that was sort of the, 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 the real tipping point. Mm-hmm. And that was under the DeCapo name um, okay. there. And so this year in D.C., I was like, man, I need – first of all, I wanted to play with Daniel. And I was like, I need, I need these people, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I sort of put out – I experimented in the fall. I put out an all call to these people from the summer, and I was like, if any of you can make it, I'll, you know, pay you just enough to probably cover your plane ticket, you know, <laughs> which isn't fair, but it's like right. this is, you know, it, I knew it needed to happen, you yeah. know, and a bunch of people came. It was it was mm-hmm. wonderful. Um, people from Illinois, people from from other places, and um, ah, so that's what I'm doing now, mm-hmm. um, and and we're mm-hmm. sort of setting up we were able to work with Quarteto uh, Tango Inc's nonprofit to mm-hmm. accept donations so I can hopefully pay the musicians a little bit better and I'm running I pretty much only run my own events because I know how to create them in a way that's going to work with the music mm-hmm. and so like for instance the most recent one we did was like a day long thing in this really neat space that's objectively too small for us now and <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, I love the space though yeah. uh, in here in DC and we started with a listening concert so we were talking mm. about music that's danceable and music that's that's not and other things and I want for mm. me it's all one and the same they're just different times to use them you know mm. so in the listening concert we were able to play solos and duos and trios mm. um, you know a parna violinist from Toronto was came she played a piece of hers that she wrote. I have this nine-year-old, I guess she was eight at the time, mm-hmm. cello student who's ridiculously good. Nice. And she, I found a piece for her based on someone I met when I was in Argentina. So it was mm-hmm. a piece written in 2017 by a young woman as opposed to, you know, something old. And she tore that piece up, you know, incredible. <laughs> All of this, again, making it more personal, giving the audience personal connections to each of the musicians. You know, mm-hmm. they get to see them um, be individuals. We played some Bach with Bandoneon, you know. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then we had a workshop with live music about the beat, and then we mm-hmm. had our big Mwanga in the evening, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do now is more, fewer events, but, like, just really making things extremely, extremely uh, deep, a deep experience, yeah. multifaceted. Yeah. And it's really great to have Amy around um, to mm-hmm. work with our, our new duo called Arco Iare, shout out, um, is great, and she's a really great collaborator with it. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah that's really that's one thing I really liked about you, Max, how you, you like to make things happen. I mean, it, being in tango, whether you're a musician or an organizer or any kind of idea you have, you really have to be proactive 
in order to get anywhere. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, you can, I mean, you can have this idea of wouldn't it be great if, well, then do it. Maybe, you know, even if it doesn't work out, you'll at least learn something and figure out something to build upon that. So, yeah, I really like, you know, I remember when you just said, hey, I got this trio. Let's, can we yeah. play your Milonga? Yeah, do it. And then you brought in uh, Cordeto Tanguero with Homer and Christina teaching the live music orchestra. I remember back in 2014. Yeah. And yeah. And it's just like, Hey, I'm just going to make this happen. And that's just really, you know, what you got to do in this. <laughs> that was a hell of a weekend back in 2014. Oh my God. That was so fun. Yeah. I have this habit of taking just like extraordinary risks um, mm -hmm. and then having to make them happen, you know, cause I don't have money. Right. You know, I just, yeah, I mean, you um, just, yeah. I don't have savings. Great. I don't have anything. <laughs> um, and I, I put on these events that usually cost, you know, in that case, significantly more than I had in my bank account. But, yeah. um, and and it, it has to work. And you, yeah. But you make it personal. You be, I mean, if anyone knows uh, how to hit the pavement and, and make it work, it's you. I mean, you were, I used to call you like the hardest worker in, in <laughs> proselytizing tango. I would see, when I lived in Madison, I would see your your posters up like anywhere in the city, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta, oh my gosh. Yeah. Posters. Yeah. I gotta, yeah. Right now it's just like, I, um, I'm building a, uh, an online course mm -hmm. on, uh, demystifying back cicadas. Now I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but I got to do it and try it. And I said, okay, I committed myself to it. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Gotta, well, in your podcast and, and everything yeah, still else. So you know? moving forward with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. You got a chance to work with James. Oh, I, um, I talked to him on the podcast a while back and he had a really funny story about how he got into tango. Like he, originally wanted to sign up for a swing class but showed up on the wrong day and it was tango he's like okay i'll try tango and then yeah i'm like i'm so glad you showed up on the wrong day otherwise you know speaking of <laughs> someone who knows how to take care of people at events and really really mm -hmm. make it personal you know yeah yeah, yeah he's a he's a great guy yeah. yeah so max what are uh what are some new ideas you're working on well I want to do more events like like I was talking about, really expand that. I want to do more sort of shows and concerts, which give us a chance to look at look at tango through through different perspectives. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I always say, you know, tango is wonderful because it's this over hundred year history of total interdisciplinary audience participation. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which as a you know in the classic our art worlds, that's you know stuff we always look for, and here is this thing that does that at such a deep level everyone mm. in the same moment at the same time yeah. the fashion the music the dance the poetry and yet also there are these virtuosic bits of all of that that have been going on for all that time too you know so i want to explore how we can speak with the different parts of it in in performance and in mm. other things um, not just to say you know here's a tango show here's some people dancing to a song but like what kind of stories can we tell with that what kind of stories can we tell through the day mm -hmm. having shows into milongas and other things you know the deeper purpose of all of that is just sharing the depth of this culture and this um this art form this that, that we have you know um also I'm, I'm like i said i'm really excited about this duo amy's making really great arrangements um mm -hmm. we're working together and that's, you know, I've been getting bigger and bigger groups, so it's nice to get onto something small and really focus on every single little note that we choose and how how they, they interact with each other and that kind mm. of thing. Other things I was going to say. I forget <laughs> what they were. It's been, it's been a long couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously getting through this. Yeah, when yeah. this is over, I think, yeah, people are just going to, like, run back to tango, like, 
Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. The withdrawal. I hope so. <laughs> you know that what's what's gonna be hard about the end of this is mm-hmm. that it's it's not gonna be like it stops raining and we can all go outside. Right. You yeah, know. Yeah. It's going to peter out, and mm-hmm. people are going to you know come up, and we need to be really thoughtful as a community about how do we do it, both in terms of yeah. you know when it's acceptable, and you know that the first person who holds them the longer is going to get totally shamed and clobbered <laughs> online. Maybe. Um, yeah. And we need to be thoughtful and respectful about that conversation going right. both directions yeah, you know yeah. well, it depends um, too i think if you live in a really big city that's really going to be a big issue uh yeah yeah so yeah well hopefully you know sooner rather than later we'll be able to uh man i hope so i miss those hugs yeah, yeah. <laughs> great good and and the, the plane you know yeah 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 well you got me excited about the live stream idea so i think at some point in the future for the podcast, we'll get it. We'll get you and a couple other musicians on and have a really fun discussion about uh, tango music. I think that'll be really fun. So I'm that's gonna, that's I'm great. Gonna, you know what's what's great now is the like I've been saying the body of, of musicians in this country has grown mm-hmm. so much, and that's how I'm able to hold these big events where I fly in yeah. five, six, seven people is because they know the repertoire, they know the canon, and they mm-hmm. they've played with me. all of them have played with me before. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about rehearsal, and I love rehearsal. We have yeah. like some marathon rehearsal, but then we're still able to put together like a professional product, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And that's what's cool. I've spent 10 years learning, and I'm going to spend another 10 years learning, but also we can really start sharing now. Mm-hmm. We can really start playing for people. And so it would be great to hear other people's perspectives on on the, the journey of tango in the last five years, mm-hmm. both in this country and around the world, because it's been, it's been a wild ride. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> great. Yeah. All right, well, Max, hey, I know we could probably talk all day, um, but yeah, I don't want to keep you, but thank you so much for taking the time to uh, chat with me some more about, about tango, and yeah, we'll, we'll be back with some really fun live stream ideas and other things for... Uh, yeah, yeah, well, thank you, Joe. I really look forward to it. It's it's really great to hear from you. Yeah, I hope things likewise. are going going well for you in Madison and, yeah, yeah. and your family. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, looking yeah. forward to hearing. <laughs> All right, all right. Take care, Max. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk again before long. All right, keep in touch. All right, that was fun. Always good to talk to Max. Again, I really appreciate his ability to make things happen, whether it's creating opportunities to perform or putting together huge events with other musicians. And that's the thing about Argentine Tango. Whether you're a dancer, musician, event organizer, or teacher, in order to move forward in any capacity, you really need to be proactive. Whatever it is you want from this dance, big or small, you can't wait to be asked. You got to go after it, which can feel scary sometimes, but when you do, you will find allies or other people willing to help you along the way. So if you have ideas, go for it. Thank you, Max, for another fun conversation. And in the near future, we'll have some more interesting chats about music. We'll get that panel idea off the ground and I'll keep you listeners updated. Also, Max and his duo collaborator, Amy Solera, are producing a project called Sofia y los Sueños. It's a long suite by Julian Peralta, and I'm sure Max will update that information on his Facebook pages. Some more exciting news, registration for my online Back Sacada course is now available. Now, the Back Sacada is often looked upon as a really difficult tango figure. My course will not only dispel that myth, but get you on the fast track to doing this really fun step. The course is called Demystifying Back Sacadas. It's a series of really easy to follow 
uh, videos, instructional videos, and you can check it out by clicking the link in the show description on SoundCloud. If you register before April 19th, 2020, you will get a $20 discount. Thanks for having a look. All right. Thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care.